Well, hello, listeners, and hello, Nicole, funny person, Cox. That was a terrible introduction. Ah, it was shit ass. You can do better than that. I feel like you on. press stop and go again. Raise, raise the bar. Let's let's turn this around. All right, you ready for a joke? Okay. I've I've done deep research this morning. <laughs> Thirty seconds before you press record to find uh, one that was very topical. Are you ready? Okay. What happens when a flower blushes? Oh, you're making it topical. <laughs> I don't know what happens when a flower blushes, Coxie. It turns rosy. Welcome to the Tradies and Business Podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade. Helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. Oh my gosh. All right. So we're joined on the podcast today by a fellow podcaster who may have just got really excited because I think he's going to easily outrank us in uh, Spotify. <laughs> Joel Barnett from the Landscaping Podcast. Welcome to Tradies in Business. Yeah, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here because I listen to your podcast every week and I was really looking forward to seeing what their first joke was. So <laughs> it was a but, ripper. You're not really looking forward to it now, are you, mate? <laughs> uh, Joel, yours is the only episode I've found a, a, a topical joke for. I, I tried. We had a lawyer on. I tried oh, to find a lawyer once and they were tough. not good. Lawyer <laughs> jokes are not really the they sort of thing really... you want to share in front of a lawyer. No, I thought we had an accountant on. They weren't very good either. So I just tend to steer clear, but you've presented a great opportunity for me to shine. Thank you. Not You're welcome. Complimentary. <laughs> Now, speaking of shining, mate, we don't do bios, but um, I, I have to admit I did a bit of digging because uh, when we booked this episode via our people, um, I thought, who the hell is this bloke? He's <laughs> obviously a landscaper. Why are we talking to this guy? And so I went and did a bit of bit of digging, which I don't normally do much research, mate. Um, and I'm I'm feeling a bit like, I don't know, less than here, Joel. You've won awards, mate. You've you've been on TV, got your own podcast. What's it like to be so famous? Uh, it's a bit of a burden sometimes, I must say. It's, uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't go to the supermarket without people noticing me. It's hard work. Uh, and you're a good sport. I love it. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of those tried? things are all they're all um, mediocre results. Like I haven't I haven't actually won anything. I just like I get second or third and um, just get you know. Recommendations uh, of that sort of thing, but don't actually win. So typical Australian tradie talking himself. I know. Up. The second, I know. he's got an opportunity to talk himself up. Yeah, I only got a silver medal. It was pretty ordinary. <laughs> <laughs> unless you unless you're getting gold, it's it's nothing. It's it's win or nothing. Is that is that how it is, mate? Uh, sometimes, yeah. That like if that's what you're aiming for, then uh, yeah. I've heard, I've heard a podcast. I think with Grant Hackett. On there, and he was talking about how he would just if he didn't win, it was a failure. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, it depends on what your goals are, but so that can be the case if you if you if you get second and you were good, you think you were good enough to win, then it's that's how it can be sometimes. Mm. I must admit, we we had a pretty tight run last year on the podcast awards, and I was devastated yep. by the results of that one. Now we we did 
um, enter the race with Mark Boris, and I thought it would be him and, and us toe-to-toe at the end, but it wasn't. It was somebody totally left field altogether, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a government-funded podcast, but yeah, anyway. Uh, we're not going to talk about the judging. Uh, so, <laughs> But it is it is a particularly Australian um, cultural thing, I believe. We were chatting with someone recently who said it's very different when you look at uh, football or, you know, sports um, in Australia. If you don't win the flag, then you're a loser. Uh, it doesn't matter that you made the eight or, or whatever your chosen sport is. Whereas in the US, they celebrate um, the wins, the number of wins they had for a season. Even if they don't actually win the the premiership, they're still celebrating how many games they won for the for the season. They really do have that celebrate the the wins, no matter how small culture. Whereas for us, it's like either you got the gold medal at the Olympics or you're a complete loser doesn't matter that you, you know, you're a silver or or that you actually made it to the Olympics in the first place. Well, it's like climbing a pretty big mountain. Uh, how do you, um, how do you find that goes for you, Joel, with, because you've ended a few times uh, and we're talking about the, the Melbourne flower show. Um, and you've, how many times have you entered that, mate? Uh, we've built eight gardens there, but only three of them I designed. So there are other ones where other people designing them. Um, so the one of the years, the first year I designed one, we got bronze, and then the second year, straight after that, we got silver, and then wow. the third year we're in the same category, and I didn't design it, but uh, we built it, and that won gold. So then I realised maybe I shouldn't be designing because that was the that was the <laughs> thing that was keeping us out. But um, then we came back again and, and went this year and got silver again. But um, but yeah, I, I, I think I'm pretty big on thinking it's yeah, it's whatever your goals are. So if your goal is to compete at something and then you do it, then that's awesome. You should be happy with that. Yeah. But if your goal is to win something and you don't, then yeah, there's always room for improvement. I think. Absolutely, I'm really intrigued by this whole concept of um, designing a short-term garden. Which, which that's my take on what you're doing for these kind of flower show awards. I presume. Okay, maybe you can fill in the blanks for the uneducated, i.e., me. I presume you're not putting the plants into soil. Are they all just potted and you kind of make it look like they've been planted out? Is that is that the idea? Exactly right. Yeah, it's it's pretty mind blowing when you after you actually see them in person. Because um, I went there, went to the garden show before I'd ever built one, and I had no idea that that's how that's that's how they were done. Because everyone does it so well, it looks like it's a real garden. Um, but yeah, it all, it's all temporary. So all the plants are just sitting in their pots, and they go back to the nurseries, and they all yeah, it's all a temporary structure so it's not built how you would normally build things yeah. in a real life situation um, and a lot of the material as much of the materials as possible is uh, borrowed from suppliers so that you're not having to pay for as much of it and then it can go back mm-hmm. to them mm-hmm. um, but I, I was smart this year with uh, my we've, we've just built a new house as well so a lot of the things I designed into the show garden were going to be used at my house so that's where <laughs> that's where they've gone to very clever but, yeah, there were some things I was thinking, oh, that this would be awesome for the show garden, but it won't work at my house, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> now, did that cost you the – well, you didn't design it, though, the the silver medal – sorry, the gold medal garden. Uh, it, I just wondered if, you know, taking that mindset into it was a, a help or a hindrance, mate, in terms of getting the gong. Yeah, I reckon it helped, um, yeah, because there were things that I did put into the show garden that were, I didn't want at my house, but I've, I'm going to have to – now I'm going to ma- make it work at my house because I've got it. <laughs> So, yeah, there's a bit of swings both ways. 
Yeah, Joe, how do you come up with the ideas? Like, is there a brief or a theme that everybody works towards or is it totally free choice and you've got to come up with the entire concept? No, that's the uh, the benefit for me about this type of thing is there's no there's nothing to follow, so you can design whatever you want because, and I think that's what gets the best results because yep. people are actually, you know, doing something that they love. So uh, some people like doing native gardens, some people do, you know, more natural or Japanese gardens and some new modern ones. So whatever your passion is, I find you you actually obviously do a better um, job of designing that and building it. So that's one of the good things about not having any specific uh, theme to follow. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That sounds like a, a landscaper's dream, actually, to be able to be creative and do what you know works best for that environment. And yet if it's like, you know, speaking from my builder's perspective, often we're pigeonholed into creating something that you know might not necessarily work with the block, for example, uh, you know, the block of land and the aspect of the house might be a bit off and you do your best to negotiate, and navigate the clients towards what you know will drive the best outcome, but sometimes they're very firm on what they want. Uh, and so you kind of fall into working within the parameters that they set for you. I imagine landscaping is very similar. Yeah, and I've uh, only really noticed that uh, recently talking to a lot of designers on my podcast about uh, they're designing for their sense of uh, place that the house is and the surroundings. So some people are wanting a real, um, you know, modern straight line garden when their house is more suited to a natural Mm. native garden. So you want to design the garden based around the house, uh, whereas when you're doing a, a show garden like that, there's no house, so you can... Mm-hmm. Do what you like. And it doesn't matter how they will relate to each other as well because they're all different gardens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You kind of want it to be different to the neighbours so that you stand out. Yep, exactly. Oh, I think this would be so fun. It is, but unfortunately yeah, someone has to pay for it, so it's yeah. uh, expensive <laughs> as well. You do the hard work and then I think the disassembling would be the worst bit of all. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's a, And you get uh, nine days to build it, but then you get three days to pull it down. So, yeah, and it's not fun because you just want to get it. When you're building it, it's hard work and long days, but you're actually creating something, so something mm. to look forward to. But when you're pulling it down, you just want to get out of there as fast yeah. as possible. I so feel the same way when I go camping. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. mind the setup because I'm getting everything sorted, you know, I put the barbecue here and chairs. That's a good spot for that. But then the pack down, it's usually raining, blowing yep. a gale. And I just want to get the damn thing wrapped up and on the back of the car <laughs> so I can get home. <laughs> and then back to work. Yeah. <laughs> so um, interesting with that little thread about, uh, I guess, building the garden you think is best or, or designing the outcome that you think is best, but balancing that with what can sometimes be competing interests, you know, whether it's client's budget or what they want, or perhaps you're working with, you know, a bunch of television producers who have an idea about uh, what they want to see. How do you go about balancing those two things joel do you just do you have particular negotiation techniques or what's your trick are you talking about in like real life situations yeah 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 you've got to uh work with i'm very um i work with clients pretty well like i'm not there's some architects who you know it's their way or the highway kind of thing whereas i'm yeah if the client lives there so it's their their house they can have what they want Mm -hmm. um as a professional you need to tell them if you think something's not going to work and make your recommendations because that's what they're paying you for. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's it's what they want. So, you know, not everyone's got the same taste. So they might, even though they've they might have picked me as a designer, so that could be because they like my style and I recommend something. If they don't like it, then that's fine with me. I'm not too precious about things like that. So um yeah, there are there's always 
things you've got to work around that, that you don't necessarily like, but um, but yeah, it doesn't bother me too much, thankfully. Joel, did I see on your website that you used to work for the company that you now own? That's correct. Yep, I was I started as an apprentice with the company. Wow. Can you tell us a bit about that journey? Yeah, so I started with another guy uh, from in my first year, and I worked with him for like a year and three months, and then started with InStyle then, mm-hmm. um, and then got qualified and worked for a year or two as qualified, and then I never had any plans to go out on my own. But then I was um, I got a lot more responsibility the more experience I got, yep. so I felt like I was running the jobs and doing everything. Mm-hmm. Obviously, what's there? Uh, what is actually like running a business is completely different to what I thought I was doing. So I had no idea what I was doing. But I thought at the time, this is easy. I'm doing everything anyway, so I might as well go out on my own. <laughs> yeah. So I told my boss that that's what I was going to do. And then actually, I had and had the business name and business cards all worked out, and it was a horrendous name. It was going to be called Gardens by Joel. <laughs> so, <laughs> it worked out well that that, that didn't go ahead. Um, and so my boss recommended, he said, hey, what do you think about taking over the business? So we set up a plan. I think it was like a nine or 12-month um, plan mm-hmm. for me to gradually take over. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, and then I've run it since then. So I worked. So that was in 2009 that I took over. So he had the business. I think he started the business in 2003. Mm-hmm. So he had it for six years and I've had it for 14. That's incredible. There aren't too many uh, apprentices. I think many wish they would have an opportunity like that, but there aren't too many that are gifted an opportunity like that for you to jump in and take over. Does that person that you took the company over from, did they retire? Did they go and start something different or what have they done? So he used to uh, go up to Queensland every every year for holidays. So then they saw that as an idea to go up there, like to move up there and Mm -hmm. start the business up there. But um, but yeah, he ended up just working for I think I don't know if it was commercial, but he was doing landscaping, mm-hmm. but, but uh, not running his own business up there. So part of the know. cool crowd, he moved before COVID to Brisbane. Yeah, <laughs> there's no room <laughs> for anybody anymore. No, <laughs> yeah, it's a nice place to be too. Went up to the Sunshine Coast. So yeah, nice, lovely. Joel, um, from that you have your podcast. Tell us about your podcast and and maybe. Help us understand why you started a podcast. We all have different reasons for starting a podcast. Yeah, I don't have a, a, a specific reason other than I love listening to podcasts. Uh-huh. So I've always listened to podcasts and there was, there's was there been a couple of landscaping ones, but not a lot in Australia. Uh, and then I was listening to one who had a plant lady on uh, who I found fascinating. And then it made me think of a fellow I know in New South Wales who's also a plant nerd who'd be fascinating to hear. So I, was, I thought I might contact this podcast and recommend him as a guest. Yep. And then I thought, I don't know how to get in contact and I don't know what their process would be. So I thought I might just interview myself and start my own podcast. So then that, that put the idea in my head. Uh, so I was going to do all the episodes outdoors. Yeah. Crazy idea. Which, <laughs> when you think about you want the audio to sound. So but I went to New South Wales. So I'm, I'm in Victoria. So I drove up there for a weekend and I interviewed, I think it was five or six people who were up there. Um and yeah, that were the first few episodes. Um, and then, yeah, I was originally going to release it every fortnight. So I didn't have a lot of pressure of having to do an episode every week. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love doing it so much. I just have done it, did it weekly. That's uh, fantastic. And, and I've done it, yeah, since then. So that's, it's been on just over two years now. That's fantastic, Joel. A lot that's of people great. started off, like there's a real influx of podcasts at the moment, but it's it's nice to hear that journey and the way 
you've become so passionate about it that it is a weekly thing and longevity is really hard with podcasting. We see a lot come and go um, really quickly and because it's hard work and you underestimate how much work there is involved and trying to find guests and, you know, that's, there's quite a bit that goes into running a podcast. So it's great to hear someone who's passionate and has found enough to keep that longevity there. Perhaps you can tell us some secrets about finding cool guests. Uh, I, I like the way you do it is by getting someone else to do it because that's Absolutely. the only thing that I hate about the podcast is having to get guests on. It's hard. Um, yeah. And, and it's just, and, and that's what, and especially I've said this to other people who have got two hosts, like it's hard enough for me to work out a time with the guest, mm. let alone two of you and the guest having to work out the right times. Totally. Um, so, and it's, yeah. And there's some people who you ask them if they want to come on, they say, yeah, sounds good. And then they just ghost you after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a lot that's yeah literally like i absolutely love everything about the podcast except having to get the guests on and organizing that oh, yeah, yeah. there's, there's been that. times where i couldn't like i'm um not that energetic about wanting to chat mm. but then then once the podcast starts mm. then it's just yeah it just flows and i love it again so We've had some guests that appear really dry. <laughs> I think some of the the real classics like um self managed super and accounting Insurance. and HR and I think, oh, my God, this is going to be the most boring conversation ever, but they're necessary and they never are because um, everybody has their own journey or story and if you can delve and tap into that, I guess that's where the real conversational aspect of a podcast can come from. Um, that's certainly one of my favourite bits, but it's almost a competition now. Every time we think a guest is going to be boring, they turn out stellar, don't they? So I'm not going to tell you, Joel, whether we thought you'd be boring or not. Because... <laughs> Coxie thought you were going to be boring as paint drawing, mate. Yeah, makes sense. So I'm true. a better host. It's going well so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the same with um, like when you interview people who've got tens of thousands of Instagram followers compared yeah. to ones who've got hundreds. And like, and the ones who've got hundreds, you've got no idea about, but they end up being having an amazing story. So yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it makes you, you don't ever know what you're going to get. No, that's yep. so incredible. You're talking true. about us, aren't you, mate? Joel, have you got, uh, have you had any surprise guests? Um, you know, often I think we book people thinking, oh, yep, I know how this is going to roll. I know what they do. I've read their story. And then you get to the end of it or even halfway through. And it's like, holy crap, I just did not see that coming. Yeah, there's been a couple like that. Like uh, there was one, uh, a fella in uh, Colorado. So he's he's got a like he's got over a hundred thousand followers. But uh, after chatting with him, I just yeah, you know, I got off got off chatting to it and spoke told, told my wife that was just an amazing chat. Like it was just awesome, full of information. It was entertaining. It was everything you want from a podcast. Yeah. Mm. And then just recently, a fella uh, in WA, uh, he was just he was recommended to me by another guest I had on because at the end of every episode, I asked who who would be a good guest to have on the podcast. Great, yep. so she recommended him. And he and that was the most that was like episode 121 or something, and that's the most fun I've had on a podcast. Like I I try and keep them under an hour, and that one went for like an hour and fifteen, and I just wanted it to keep going. So it was a bit <laughs> awesome to talk to. So yeah, and again, this I don't know. You might have three thousand Instagram followers or something. I'd never heard of him beforehand. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was just great to chat to because you want yeah entertaining and yep uh, information is what you want in the perfect mm. episode. I could share a few jokes with you if you like. <laughs> yeah, another another landscape related one. Yeah, yeah. I'll you find did. your page or I'll create one for you. Dear, oh dear. All right. So obviously you also run a business, Joel. Um, has the podcast 
helped you with with the business? Uh, it's impossible to say, but I reckon it probably has. It's like because it, it make people seem to think I'm a bigger deal than I am. Look, where I'm literally no different to any other landscaper who would start doing a podcast. Like, mm. It's not like someone came to me and asked me to do it. So it it definitely helps with the um, the appearance of it. And, and I find Instagram is like that as well. Like businesses look bigger than they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and but yeah, so I think it just helps with a bit of the I don't know what the word is, but look, yeah, basically looking more important than what you actually are. Mm. Um, whether that translates into work, who knows? But I, I'd say it probably it might have play a small role if someone's deciding over, you know, person A and person B. Mm-hmm. If, if this person has a podcast that's got a hundred episodes, they might look like they're more of a established person in the industry. Yeah. yeah. And which I am though, I've been in here for 20 years. So I do know what I'm talking about most of the time. Hey, tradies in business was here. Sorry to interrupt your listening pleasure. I'm joined by Coxie, of course. Hello. You may not know this, tradie or tradie wife or whoever you are listening to this program, but we're business coaches. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, that feels weird to say. (laughs) (laughs) But we do actually work with people just like you to solve a bunch of problems. And we have this fantastic program called the Tradiepreneur Program, and that's how we do it. And we do it with a wonderful community of trade business owners who are all trying to fix or improve or change things to progress. Things like getting behind on quoting, Coxie. Feeling overwhelmed, behind on your invoicing, feeling really stressed or frustrated about the money stuff. Sometimes you can pay the bills, sometimes you can't. What about staff? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh, staff. Trying to get them to do what you want them to do, if you can even find them in the first place. Uh, there's so many struggles. And we've seen clients tackle these things in their trade businesses in a quite a short space of time, to be honest, mm-hmm. during the program and recruit staff at a time where everybody was saying you can't get good staff, mm-hmm. improve their quality from their team, collect their debts much more quickly. We have sessions. tips. Yes. Getting tips. Yes. So uh, people rounding up, customers rounding up the invoice by hundreds of dollars Mm -hmm. because they're so happy with the sales process and the experience of dealing with the trade business owner and their team. So some amazing stories from our clients. But, you know, as they say in the the commercials, don't take it from us. Uh, (laughs) Hear what some of our clients have to say. Coming into Christmas, we are not worried about money. We've got enough money in the bank to pay everybody's leave. There's work booked in for the new year. And for the first time in a long time, we'll be having three weeks off and not worrying about the business. That's probably the biggest win of all. Using the cash flow forecasts, I've been able to look into the future and see where I'm going to be situated financially. And it's actually started to have a huge bearing on whether or not I make purchases. By far, one of the best things about working with Nick and Woz are the other businesses that are working alongside them. It is amazing how empowering it is to be working alongside like-minded people who have similar goals, similar troubles. We can all relate to each other and everybody helps everybody out by figuring out problems with you that they may have faced previously. Everybody has solutions and constructive feedback, and it's an incredibly friendly, warm, welcoming environment, not threatening at all. From every job, I know that 
I will get a sustainable wage that's industry leading. I can have at least 10 to 20% profit and I can pay taxes, super, all of that. And I do not have to question whether or not I can because of the way that it's been built. And that is thanks to traders and business and what they've taught me and what I've learned. So there you go. There's some real people. We did not pay them to say those things. <laughs> and I think that sounds a lot better than Coxie and I reading them out. We really would love for you to check out more about how you could take your trade business to where you would like it to be. Surely you have a vision of what things could be like or what you wish they were like on a day-to-day -day basis, mm -hmm. um, whether that is reducing stress or actually making more money. Maybe it's spending more time with the family, taking more holidays, having the choice mm. that you really wanted when you started your business instead of this beast that seems to be there for many of you listening to this program. So if you want to find out more about how we do this through the Tradiepreneur program, Coxie's going to tell you all about it. <laughs> I'm actually not. I'm going to be really secretive and uh, keep all of our magic up our sleeves. What I would like you to do, though, is head on over to tradiesandbusiness.com.au. You can learn all about us, why we do what we do, and how you can work with us, what that actually looks like. There's a whole bunch of free stuff there for you to download, uh, lots of options. We've always got new stuff going up onto the website and a great place for you to learn a whole bunch more about how you can work with us. You can even book a 15-minute chat. For free. For free. That's how abundant we are. So head over to the website, uh, check it out, book a chat with us, and we'd love to find out if you'd be a great fit for the Tradiepreneur community and start hanging out with some of those people that you just heard from. <laughs> you know what? I reckon all our listeners are just doing the maths right now. They're thinking, okay, this, this Trades and Business podcast has been running for eight, nearly nine years. Uh, so these guys must be really freaking old because Joel's been doing his business for eight years. Did you say eight years? No, 20 years. 20 years, He's yeah. got 100 episodes. That makes us really, really old. Joel, thank you for sharing those tips to our listeners so they can figure out how old we are. I best pay out my funeral bond. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. I've got you back. It's okay. Yeah, good on you. Um, Joel, do you feel like it's opened any doors for you? So maybe I'm alluding towards the fact we know you, that you've um, been part of working on the block is that an opportunity that came through the podcast or have there been other amazing opportunities like that that came about from either contacts that you've made or recognition through the podcast? Uh, no, the two years that we were on the block were before I started the podcast. So I think they were 2018 and 19 possibly. But, yeah, they were, they were like uh, – they weren't the last two series or this one that's coming. Yep. Mm -hmm. Two before that. Um, so I, I don't know if it has I, – I, I did get invited to – judge uh at floriard which is like a, a garden show in canberra yep so they're just they're for the first year this year they're doing some um show gardens they haven't done them before mm -hmm. um so i'm going to be going up there to judge that so that's and that guy messaged me from the um the podcast instagram page so that'd be i would say 100 percent because of that yep um it's not no not a paid gig i'll be paying my way out there so it's not really you're not really benefiting out of that, but it's just an awesome yeah. experience to have. Like I've never been there before. I've seen photos of it, but yeah. that'll be cool to see. So nothing, nothing necessarily like that, but, um, but yeah, we've started doing designs a lot more in the business now. And I think that uh, would help build that side of the business as well. And just sort of, yeah, get the name out there a bit more. Mm, yep. Love that. Definitely within the industry as well. So a lot, a lot of people within the industry now know who we are. And there's all like every week there's someone who messaged me saying I just discovered the podcast, so then they've got all those episodes to go through. So even though you think 
everyone in the industry would know who the of the podcast. Yeah, there's always new people coming along. That's right. Surprising how um, it's not slowly because that indicates that there's some kind of success measure, and there's not. But it still surprises me how people find the podcast at what stage of their business journey they find it. What are they looking for? when they find it all of that information is really fascinating do you have um you know a typical listener for your podcast uh it's pro- uh, mostly it's people within the industry but it's also uh, surprising how many people who have got like they're just uh, like clients for lack of a better word like they're just people who you know doing their own garden or they like gardening or business or that sort of thing um so i've literally had someone at the supermarket say that they recognize me from it and that and they were just a client like not not one of mine but they were just a person who's not in the yeah. industry yeah just someone there who wanted to embarrass her daughter by saying that. <laughs> it's the weirdest feeling isn't it being recognized it's yeah how what do you say like how do you um i find it really challenging to be humble and because inside you're a tiny bit excited as well but then it's also a bit embarrassing and then what do you say and how do you validate the fact that They've taken time out of their day to say good day, and it's it's just a really weird situation to be in. Yeah, I had uh, I've had it a few times from the block as well. So, and the first time it happened, I didn't handle it well. So I was just at um, the hardware store, and I had my I was looking at the shelves, and I heard a guy behind me saying, "Oh, this is guy from the block." <laughs> and I turned around, thinking it was one of my mates there, just taking the piss. But then he wasn't, so I was just kind of had a half smile on my face, <laughs> and then didn't know what to say, so I didn't end up saying anything. <laughs> so he probably just thinks I ignored him. So yeah, I've, I've improved the more the more it's happened. It's not like it happens a lot, but um, but yeah, I've learned to yeah to get better at it. I still find it really awkward. I it happened to me only recently. <clears throat> I think I was in a homeway store and somebody approached me to let me know that they follow me on Instagram, and I was just really quite humbled and didn't know what to say and really made myself look like an idiot and walked away with my tail between my legs. It's just such a strange concept still. But well, I, I had to move to Tasmania. Well, I understand, Warwick, with so all of your fans. So many people following me around. Just beating oh, them off became, every time. It became unbearable. <laughs> I really want to on... in a hole, but I'm not going to. On uh, no one's ever recognised me in public, which suits me just fine. So um, Joel the Block. Now uh, we have spoken to a number of people over the years who have done stuff with media, wanted to do stuff with media. Uh, you know, there's there's a bit of an idea that it's it's kind of like I don't know slaying the golden goose. Um, if you get a gig on one of these programs. I don't know if you're bound by, you know, confidentiality or anything, or if that time period has passed, mate, but what's it actually like from a business owner's point of view? Was it a positive thing? Did it do anything for you? Like, like how did it roll for you? Uh, the reason I went on there is because I used to watch the show and loved it. Um, and just was curious to know what it would be like to be on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I was, I wanted to go on as a contestant, never applied or anything because I didn't have anyone who would want to go on with me, but I was keen to see what it's like behind the scenes and if it is exactly like they do portray on the um, on the TV show, and found out that it was uh, it's actually harder than what it looks like. Mm. On t- they they show it, make it look easier on TV than it actually is, which I don't understand why they do that. But did you think they wanted to look hard? You think it'd be the opposite. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was a pretty cool experience just to see what it was like uh, on that inside. Um, like for example, we had the first very first week we were there. It was during a week where there was Easter and Anzac Day, 
like so there was two of the days of that week were a public holiday um and then i think the anzac day was the thursday so the easter monday and anzac was the thursday and then so we had to um build the garden well it was a courtyard we, we started at five at one o'clock on the friday mm-hmm. and it had to be finished on the sunday so we had like a day and a half basically to build it uh, and we and got it done as well. So yeah, the designer had to make heaps of changes to the design because originally thought we'd have five days and then yeah. that whittled down to a day and a half. Um, but yeah, it's it's an awesome experience as someone who's wanting to see what it's like. And it, and like I like working physically hard and long hours. Like mm-hmm. like I've run a couple of marathons because so like pushing myself and doing that sort of endurance stuff. So mm-hmm. that's a good way to do it when you're actually working. Um, but I went to it. You know, I went to it with a mindset of I wanted to win. So I knew that if I charge, the more I charge, the less the clients have got to spend to make an awesome garden. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I charged very little so that we had an increased chance of winning. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people go in there thinking they're going to get paid their normal rate and you can do that, but um, it's, it doesn't work out. It's not a good result doing that. If you want to get paid your normal rate, you're better off just staying at home and doing your normal work. Yeah, yeah. Far less pressure. Yeah. So uh, you obviously had heaps of inquiries come in after doing that, mate? I, uh, that first year we had a few, but um, so we're in Geelong, which is now and a bit south of Melbourne, and they were the th- we had three inquiries about wanting to build a barbecue that we built on there. Mm-hmm. So I told them it was going to be 110 bucks to come up and do a quote, and that was enough to scare them off. So <laughs> that would just that would have been a waste of time, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. But again, that's just there's just a lot of things that I've done in the business, like like going on the block and doing the garden shows and doing the podcasts. They all little bits that add up to building the profile. So I don't know exactly where the inquiries come from, mm-hmm. but we're booked out for twelve months and not, I knock back work multiple jobs mm-hmm. a week. So mm-hmm. it's all we don't do any other advertising, but pay for a lot of you know unique advertising styles like that. Yeah, yeah. Which I imagine in in landscaping, it's it's um it's a very creative field uh in my mind anyway my perception is uh it's a very creative profession and it's it's a bit like being an artist or a musician you you need to have a a great portfolio so people can get a feel for is this what i want you know is this the artist i want to have come and play at my wedding or whatever it might be and so there's a lot of personal values and feelings and all that sort of stuff comes into it so i love the way you, you look at that as sort of building a portfolio not a social proof, I guess, but it's, but here's what we're capable of. Um, so I think that's a fantastic approach to marketing. It's all those little bits that come together, kind of like your projects, uh, all those little bits come together to make the the overall picture of, okay, well, you know, who is in style and, and are they for me? Yeah. Yeah. Social proof is the word I was trying to think of before that, that, that is, that's what all this kind of stuff builds. Mm. Uh, and I often refer to what we do as art um, and whether that's just cutting in paving or, you know, doing a miter on a, on a step, there's a lot of little things that all make it look awesome. Mm. Um, and and that's something I've found talking to early designers, like designers who have recently started their business, something they struggle with is not having these projects that they can advertise all built up. So it's mm. something that takes time to build up that kind of portfolio. But mm. then once it does, it's, it's like a train that you've already got this stuff coming and then the, it keeps increasing the quality of it and then you can keep advertising that and building it better and better. So yep. just, yeah, you need a bit of patience to start building it. But then once it starts working, it's pretty cool. 
Great marketing tips there at a time where people, you know, we're, we're having some really interesting conversations. There is one side of the fence that is really feeling the the financial tug right now with their clients and their phones have stopped ringing. And then we've got the other side of the fence who, like you, are booked out. We've got plasterers booked out for seven months and we've got landscapers that are booked out for 12 months and we've got um, builders that are booked out for two years. Like there's there are these two polar opposites in the marketplace at the moment. So I think... Um, that focus on marketing right now, everybody should be marketing. And Joel, you say you don't do any advertising, but you're actually doing a bunch of advertising just mm. really uniquely and in a style that works, pardon the pun, for you particularly. Uh, so I wonder, these were choices that you have made because you wanted to find out what it was like to be on the block and you started the podcast because you loved the idea of listening to other people's podcasts and it gave you an opportunity for that creative outlet. Have you ever pieced it together like in a marketing plan to understand that, okay, these are my forms of marketing that are tying together or is that is this just been a really organic thing like it sounds like it is? Uh, no, it's been it's actually been a plan that I set about doing. So it's, it was so awesome when I actually started working the type of projects that we've been working on. So mm-hmm. in 2012, I'd been running the business for three years and, that, and my daughter was, uh, my first child was born in uh, 2011. Um, and then we had a job booked in for winter, which was like a hundred thousand dollar job, and that was the first one that I had for myself. Mm-hmm. So I was knocking back all this other work because we had this big one coming up. And then that guy pulled out like two weeks before we were supposed oh. to start. So then I had to scramble to get other work. Yep. And my daughter was six months old at the time, so I thought this is it's too risky working for myself. I'm going to go and do something uh, safer. And I went and worked at a bank uh, part time. <laughs> well- Okay. It's a, nat- it's a natural progression, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I can yeah. see how. Yep. Totally. Uh, so I was there for uh, two and a half years. Um, my, I was part-time to start with, so I was still landscaping on weekends and days off uh, and then worked my way up into business banking. And then I saw people coming in, have, running their own business, having no idea what they were doing. And I thought they were making good money. I thought I can do this again. So initially, for those first three years, I was just taking on any job that came along, saying yes to everything didn't matter what it was. So I had no plan at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after working at the bank, I thought I'll get back into it and I want to work on the high-end projects. Um, so to do that, I think I needed people like the designers to know who I was. Yeah. So I wanted to do these things like I applied to get on to the garden show. Yep. Uh, I went to a lot of the uh, Landscape and Victoria meetings in Melbourne. So there was a lot of Melbourne designers who were there who were doing jobs in Geelong. So any, anyone, when they think of a landscaper in Geelong, is going to think of us. Mm. Um, so yeah there's a lot of things I was doing like that so that everyone knew that we existed because I knew once we got the did those jobs that our work was good enough that you know then it would just snowball on yeah, um, yeah. and then yeah we and then we got an eighty thousand dollar job and they just started building up and up um so yeah it's pretty awesome actually having a plan and then it actually works how I thought it would mm. fancy that yeah <laughs> that was a that was an underhanded attempt from Coxie which worked out really well to just point out to our listeners that you need to have a freaking plan <laughs> and obviously a job at the bank to be good at <laughs> landscaping. I, I, I'm still stuck on that. So how long had you been a landscaper before you got the job at the bank? Uh, so that was 2012, I think, or two, that might've been 2011 or 12, but so I've been about seven years, I think. Okay. Landscaping. Tell, tell me about your resume. 
going for the job at the back or, or did you just grease someone's bar mate not not taking away your own skills job but yep. one of my mates is high up at the bank so I, <laughs> he, got, he got me the interview and then he you gave me some tips on what i should say and then That's got him from there. who you know yep which again, again a lot of uh, a lot of um situations i knew once i get an opportunity yeah. they'd know i'm the right person so yeah. i knew because i like i uh, love numbers i get just a um a natural thing i'm good at basic numbers and my two sons are exactly the same yep. they're always you know ahead of where they should be with basic yep. math so it's just something that we're born with uh, and i enjoy it so i knew that i'd once i got in there i'd be good at it and hmm. just needed them to give me a chance and then yeah prove that i was love that mate and obviously you know it wasn't a flash in the pan you, you worked your way up into business banking and everything so yeah you had the goods but i just i i have been hearing a, a few stories like yours lately about who you know you know, it's about who you know or who knows you, um, not about what you know. You could be the best, the best landscaper, the best plumber, the best glazier in Australia, in the world, and it doesn't matter a lick if you don't know the right people and move in the right circles. Yeah, that's another good thing about Instagram and actually pushing yourself out there and you know letting people know the type of work you can do. Because, like mm. I say, you could be doing the most amazing work in the world, but if no one knows about it, then mm. you're not going to grow as much as you could if you were sharing that and showing people and it's not a matter of saying you know look how good i am it's just showing this is the work i do if you like it good if you don't that's fine as well mm. Mm. joel how does a um a like for numbers translate to what you do in landscaping because for me one's really creative and one's very rigid i mm. know uh, it's it's actually really important to be good at at numbers to be a good landscaper specifically when you're setting things out mm -hmm. um so yeah and it's one of those things that anyone can do like paving on a job but you're at the next level if you're working out so you've got full pavers and things are lining up so have, thinking of how where, where a pool should go so that the pavers are full off the house and they also return around the corner of the house as well mm -hmm. so yeah being good with numbers is a real skill to have mm -hmm. within landscaping uh, and you, you know, you use a tape measure every day, and it's got numbers all over it. So it is handy, <laughs> handy to be able to do quick, quick maths. I Does it make you good at quoting uh, profitably as well, Joel? No, I'm terrible at that. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that, mate? Let's let's open that can of worms a bit. Um, it's because I like if there was three of me doing the job, we would make a ton of money, and I'd be I'd be rich and be, I would only have to work two days a week. But I don't. There's only one of me. Uh, and my employees don't work as fast as I do. Mm -hmm. So it just takes such a long time to understand that uh -huh. and understand what they're good at and what they're not, and what they're slow at. And then when you, re like, that's a negative about being booked out for 12 months in advance is when I realised I need to change something, it takes 12 months for that to take effect. Yes. And then by that time, something else has changed. So then I've got to change things again and it's another 12 months. So mm -hmm. and there's mm -hmm. there's a good, um, there's, there's good things to uh, not be booked out so far in advance. Like there's good reasons to not be booked out so far in advance because if you change things, then you can um, profit mm. from it earlier. Mm. We've certainly seen a few trade businesses get caught out with uh, materials pricing and yeah. labour rates and everything, uh, hitting them pretty hard over the last 12 months. So uh, yeah, it's a great example, mate. Yeah, but it's something that I, I now the jobs when they, they're coming on now. I'm starting to make money on them. Um, so then it's, it's just something you need to keep refining. Yeah. Uh, and I got, there's some people who are natural 
tradesmen and natural business owners. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely more of a tradesman than a business owner. So that's something I've had to learn on the fly because <laughs> a lot of people do. Um, oh, Joel, I think the truth is most trades people are better at being tradies than they are at being business owners, specifically because yeah. they're not taught, right? When you're yeah. able to gather the skills and learn, um, then you can create a different outcome. But right in the very beginning, like you, most tradies think, oh, this can't be too hard. I'll, I'll give it a yeah, go. Yeah. I'm already I'm a nicer this guy other idiot's business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't quite turn out the way they think it's going to because nobody teaches them. They don't get taught enough within their their apprenticeship to understand what running a business really looks like. It's something that we talk about with our clients. Um, they shouldn't be afraid of helping their tradespeople learn what goes into running a business. There tends to be a lot of fear around that because, well, what happens if everything I teach them they take and use? What happens if they get halfway through learning about running a business and realize this is too hard, I don't want to do it, I just want to be an employee? You might have that the opposite effect. Is running your business something you share with your team, your key team members? Uh, I, I don't hide it from them, but they also, they don't really, it's not that, doesn't interest them that much. So, so there's some people who would love to know that information and some people who just want to do, they just want to know what work they need to do and that's what they do. Mm. So that's something else I, you know, realised just from experience is that some people want to run jobs and some people have got no interest in running jobs as well. So, mm. And you can't make one, you can't make them do what they don't want to do because no one benefits out of it that way. Mm. Um, yep. So I'll, I'll share, you know, I'll tell them when we make money on a job and when we lose and I'll, I'll put the quotes on the, on it. We've got an app where we share the plans and everything. So I'll put that on there. So I'll, there's no secrets I'll keep from them, but, um, but they don't have any interest in, in knowing it. Mm. Nice. Tell us about your team, Joel. How many have you got? What and, and what's it comprised of? So it's just me and two qualified guys at the moment. So one's yeah, been okay. been with me for I think it's eight years. I don't know if it's come up with nine or it's just ticking over eight. Yep. And then the other one has been with me six years, um, but he's about to leave because the landscaping is too hard on the body. Yes. Um, and he because he's six foot four, so it's obviously oh. you got to lean over a bit more than than what I do, standing at five foot nine. <laughs> I'm built um, for landscaping. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I'm even shorter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like a mountain goat, got a low center of gravity. Yeah. Yeah. Built for handling. Exactly. Now I'm um, going back and mentally thinking about all the landscapers we work with, and some of them are very tall and some are bloody not tall. So tall. Oh, one is not so tall. <laughs> oh, yeah. True. True. Yeah. He's probably got no, less pain. Yes. <laughs> in some yeah, parts of his body. Looking to put on an apprentice, but yeah, obviously. No, like I have a good one on, but then he decided landscape is not for him either because yeah. it was too hard. So it's uh, there's something like maybe I need to stop, like realize what's happening if people are leaving because it's too hard, try and make it a bit easier. Mm. But it's also, yeah, some things you can't can't make easier. Part of the job, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you talked about uh, good tradies versus good business owners. What do you think are some of the key differences between the two? Uh, I reckon planning is the, oh, that can go into, both but if you're like to be a good tradesman you know and that's, that's probably more running a business really planning mm. so the the more i put time into actually planning something or planning a job or doing cash flow forecast so you know if you've got money in your account why it is and if it's going to if it actually is there or not mm-hmm. um, so the more planning i do like that and more thinking and forward thinking the more i realize this actually makes things a lot easier yep um but then then you've got to actually get the work done. So that's one of the challenges of doing both is not doing either of them as well as you could. Yep. Mm. So I reckon, yeah, planning is the most important part and scheduling of everything as well. And that can help with uh, efficiency when you get materials on site and that sort of thing. 
knowing what you need for upcoming projects. Like people employ people to do that mm-hmm. as part of their business. That's a, their whole job is just organizing everything. So mm-hmm. you can understand why people struggle doing that and doing work on site as well. Mm-hmm. There's not enough hours in the day. That's no, right. there is not, but you can create a lot with a good plan, can't you? Yeah. And that, yeah, that's a, like I've, I want to have schedules. Like I'll have clients ask me, when are you going to start our job? And I'll just literally tell them I've got no idea when we're going to start because I don't know when the guys are going to call in sick, if it's going to rain. There's just so many different things that can happen when you're relying on other subcontractors as well. Like one of them might pull out late. So then you've got to push everyone else back. And, um, but when you do a schedule and it works, it's the best thing in the world. Yeah, you, you can just see money falling into your pockets. You can make so much money because <laughs> everything's going so well. But then other times you can make a plan on the weekend for the upcoming week. And then someone calls up Monday morning at eight o'clock saying this is changing. So then it just throws out the entire schedule. Yeah. Makes it a bit deflating. Oh, absolutely. can be very frustrating. (laughs) That's for sure. Um, Joel, back to the podcast for me. I would like to know, is there one guest that you would really love to get on your show? No. So if I hadn't have had him, it would be Paul Bangay. So he's one of Australia's most well-known garden designers, but I had him on. Um, so yeah, there's no, the only guests I want on, well, that I would like to have on in the future are people who are, you know, awesome to have on, just yep. enjoyable to chat to. Yeah, yeah. Um, there haven't been too many that aren't like that, thankfully. Yeah. So, but yeah, but there's no, uh, there's no big names. I, I tried to get Jamie Jury for my first episode. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't get he didn't get back to me. And then at the garden show, he was there and he came to chat to me about the garden. So I told him that I messaged him on the to see if he'd come on. Oh, I didn't ask him again, but I just said, Yeah, you didn't get back to me. So it was a bit awkward. <laughs> well, I'm disappointed you didn't say it wasn't Nick from Tradies in Business, mate. Yeah, like, it was the wrong answer. Surely we'd be on, on your list. <laughs> oh, obviously, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, it's been good having you on the show. <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with my one question, mate. Um, if you had a thousand tradies in a room, what's one piece of advice you'd like to leave them with? Uh, to enjoy what you're doing, because I think it makes such a massive difference if you enjoy work, because everyone has to work to earn money so you can you know live the rest of your life. So if you can find something like I've done and find a work that's actually like a hobby, mm. then it's uh it helps the rest of your life because you're just happier all the time. You're not dreading going to work. Mm. Uh, if you're doing a job that you don't like doing, try and find something that you would like doing. Nice, mate. Don't be afraid to make a change, hey? Yeah. You could get into banking. Who knows? Sky's the limit. <laughs> <laughs> right, mate. Um, so any any upcoming uh, garden shows you're entering or TV programs you're going to be starring on? What's what's uh, anything exciting in the wings for you? No, we've, uh, the last three years we've been asked to go back on the block uh, just by other guys who are on there or all the contestants but i've said no every year because it's something it like is to do it well like i want to it costs money yeah. so mm-hmm. i won't be doing that ever again um <laughs> and the garden shows are saying it's very expensive for me to do it with a small company like if you've got a big company you can go have guys working still yeah, yeah. we're just all 100 committed to that so i won't be doing that uh, as big as what we did this year either so nothing coming up other um, my goal for the coming couple of years is to make money and be profitable rather than just having fun all the time. So we try and have a blend of both if I can. That's a good goal. Love it, mate. Love it. All right. And if uh, people want to go and stalk you, mate, what's the best way to do that? Uh, Instagram at InStyle Gardens would be the best one to go. I I, I quite enjoy being on there. Like a lot of um, 
people tell you spent you should you know people spend too much time on social media but i don't watch tv or you know do much else so i that, that's one of my hobbies as well it's bill gardens and doom scroll that's it yeah <laughs> have fun doing both <laughs> Nice, mate. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, Joel. You weren't boring at all, mate. So, no, Coxie, you, you, you were wrong. Uh, <laughs> but great chat, mate. Some some awesome gold nuggets in there too, buddy. Um, I really appreciate your time coming on the show today. Thanks. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. As, as I said, I li- love listening to your episode every week. So thanks for doing well, what you well, do. We'll have to listen to this one and tell us what you think. I will. Because when I listen to mine, I um, I don't remember things that got said because I'm thinking of the next question or something like that. So I'll always <laughs> listen back. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. You've been listening to the Tradies and Business Podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business, and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au.